morning. It's good to see you all. I'm grateful to Pastor Ken for the opportunity to be here with you today. <clears throat> uh, I love him very much and appreciate him. In my book, he and his preaching is as good as it gets. And so I very much appreciate him. If you want to read along in your Bibles, or you can look on the screen, we're going to be reading from Daniel chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. And as you saw on the screen, the title of this message is Stuck Between the Possible and the Probable. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, Listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So, at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, Whatever their race or nation or language bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, 
We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Now I want us to return to verse 17 and the first part of verse 18 because that's going to be the focus of this message. The words of the three Jewish young men. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us, the possible. He will rescue us from your power, the positive. But if he doesn't, the probable. God can, but what if God doesn't? Those of us who've grown up in church, we've been taught certain things about the nature of God. Among them, that God is all-powerful. All-powerful, meaning there is absolutely nothing within his nature that God can't do. Now, there are some absurd and illogical things that God can't do. God can't make a square circle. God can't condone sin. God cannot create an object that is heavier than he is able to lift. Those are absurd, illogical statements. But outside of the absurd and the illogical, there is literally nothing that God can't do. Whatever is the biggest problem in your life, God has the power to take it away. God can, but what if God doesn't? My wife and I served as uh, I was a pastor and she was the pastor's wife. She had the hardest job for 37 years. Last 20 plus years of those were to church south of Atlanta and Palmetto. There we met a lady by the name of Bonnie. Bonnie, on Friday, the October, on Friday, October the 28th, 1988, she gave birth to her only child, a son. 1988. She named him Austin. He was the most beautiful thing that she had ever seen. And I will have to admit, he was cute. Not all babies are cute. Those that are cute grow up to be teenagers. He was cute. He was the most beautiful thing that she had ever seen. And to Bonnie, Austin never grew out of his cuteness. He had a perfect round face, blonde hair, a slightly tanned peachy complexion, baby blue eyes, and he had a heart-melting smile. A bit mischievous, I will say, but he was, throughout all of his life, a cute fella. But when Austin was seven years old, 
he started having some unexplainable health problems. And so Bonnie and her husband at the time took Austin to the doctor and the doctor ran some tests and then he ran more tests and he did not like what he saw in the test especially the blood test and he ordered a scan didn't like what he saw in the scan and he sent them to a couple of specialists and they ran more tests in fact months of tests and retests until finally uh, the doctors a team of doctors met with Bonnie and her husband and said uh, Austin has cancer. It was a rare form of childhood cancer. They furthermore said that Austin had less than a 50-50 chance of surviving and was unlikely to see his 12th birthday. He was seven. Just as a side note, you probably already know that each year approximately 17,000 parents in the United States hear the words, your child has cancer every single year. It is the, the leading cause of death by disease of children in the United States. Well, as you might imagine, as any loving parent would do, Bonnie started praying. And I'm telling you, when, when I say she started praying, the girl started praying getting on her face multiple times all day before God. She got her husband to start praying. She got her church to start praying. They started prayer chains. They started prayer groups. They, had, they invited other churches to help them pray. And before long, literally, there were people all around the world praying for Austin. You see, at that very point, Austin and his mom and dad, their family, stood in, at the midpoint, the crossroads between what was possible, what God could do, and they knew he could do it, versus what was probable. Probable meaning what was most likely to occur. You ever been there? You ever been in the place between what you knew God could do and secretly you question why he didn't do it versus what probably God would do or not do or would allow, stuck between the possible and the probable. Well, Austin went through months of wrenching chemotherapy and intense radiation. The treatment, as it always does, made Austin even more sick. He lost weight that he didn't have to lose. He lost all of that beautiful blonde hair. Sometimes he lost his smile, but not always. And one thing that he never lost, he never lost his spirit. He fought. And his mama fought. And their church fought. And the world prayed. And there were times when Austin would gain ground and his cancer seemed to go in remission. And then it would be followed by a period where he lost ground. And then he would gain ground again. And then he would lose ground again. The stress on the family took its toll. Bonnie and her husband ended up parting ways in large part because of the stress the family was under. Then, 
just after Austin's 12th birthday, in the fall of 2000, the news came. The doctors stood before Bonnie, her ex-husband, and they said, we can't explain it, but Austin's cancer is gone. We have done scan after scan after scan, and we cannot find it. We have looked for it, and we have looked for it again. We cannot find it anywhere in his body, and the doctors declared Austin cancer-free. It was ironic that the age to which Austin was not supposed to live to, 12, became the age at which the doctors declared him cancer-free. And everybody rejoiced. Of course we rejoiced. Everybody rejoiced. God is so good. We knew that God could do it, and God did do it. God answered our prayers. And he kept answering those prayers. For the next several years, twice a year, just to be safe, the doctors would bring Austin back in. They would put him through a battery of tests and scans and MRIs. And twice a year, for several years, each time the news came back, we don't see any cancer anywhere. God not only came through, he is coming through. All things are possible with God. And sometimes God does just that the impossible and it's amazing King Nebuchadnezzar had the three we used to call them the Hebrew children Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego one of my favorite preachers is an African American preacher in Texas named Tony Evans Tony Evans called these three Shadrach, Meshach and a bad Negro He told these guys, he said, I'm going to throw you in this furnace. And he heated the furnace up seven times hotter than it normally was heated. And the young men at that very point knew that they stood between what was possible and what was probable. They knew that God could rescue them, deliver them from or through this furnace so that they would not be burned alive. He knew, they knew that, but they also knew what was probable because although we don't have all the historical records to prove what I'm about to say I think I'm safe to say this virtually every other time and there were thousands of times that people were thrown into that furnace guess what they were burned alive so when Nebuchadnezzar told these guys you don't bow down to my statue I'm throwing you in this furnace I'm heating it up far more than I normally do the probability was they were about to die in a charcoal way but of course you know from the rest of the story that God did show up that God did come through they threw the three boys, young men, into the furnace. The furnace was heated up. 
and the folks outside waited and they looked in and then when they went to count the number of people who were in there there were the three other guys but there was a fourth one that Daniel says looked like a son of man all my years of growing up in Christian churches we were told that was the son of man that Jesus showed up with them in the furnace and perhaps it was God did show up. God did do the, the possible, really the impossible. And, and when they came out, not only were they not burned, they didn't even smell like smoke. Man, I can light a fire in my fireplace and smell like smoke. In Matthew 19, there was a wealthy young man who came to Jesus asking what he could do to have eternal life and Jesus said well keep the commandments and he mentioned several of them and the guy said well I'm, I'm doing all that I've already in fact I've already completed that <laughs> that was a dumb thing to say and Jesus said well okay so far so good but there's one thing you like he says I want you to go and sell everything you have everything you have and take the money and give it to the poor and the young man wouldn't do it Look at me. Would you? Would you have done that? Would you have sold your house and your cars and your drum sets, I'm a drummer, and your pianos and everything you have and given that money to the poor, would you have done it? A lot of times we come down on that wealthy young man and I really don't know that we should. But he went away. And after he went away, the Bible says he went away sad because he had a lot of possessions. Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, I want you to know that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples recognizing the impossibility of what Jesus was saying evidently they kind of sympathized with the with the young man as well perhaps and they said well who then can be saved and Jesus said humanly speaking it is impossible but with God everything is possible you see all things are possible with God and sometimes God does what is to us impossible a few months ago i met carl carl and his wife are retired missionaries for over 50 years they served the lord in central and south america and now they live in the north atlanta area and i get the privilege periodically of going and sitting with Mr. Carl and talking with him and just soaking up his wisdom and he is just exuding wisdom all the time humble wisdom I was there to see him uh, just a few days ago and he was telling me about his sister his sister lived in Canada and several years ago she was training to be 
a missionary and she wanted to go to Southeast Asia of all places to be a Christian missionary and she was getting all the training done all of her education done getting all the cultural education done that she needed and but right before she was to go her doctors diagnosed her with leukemia and it was acute leukemia it was a fast-acting leukemia and the doctors told her, they said, we don't know exactly how long that you will be here, but we guesstimate between six months and two years, six to 24 months to be here. And sure enough, her condition declined rapidly. And as her de condition declined, her pain increased exponentially. Carl told me, and at that time he and his wife were already retired, living in North Atlanta, he flew up to Canada to basically say goodbye to his sister. He said, I walked in her bedroom, and she was there uh, in her bed, and she had declined so much, I was shocked at what my sister looked like. And he said, I spent a couple of days with her. I would have spent more days, but she was not able for me to be there. I was, I was making things worse. And so he said, on the last day I was there, he, I said goodbye to my sister. And he said, when I left there, I was fully convinced that it was the last time I would ever see her on earth. A few days later, right around 10 o'clock, at night his sister got into so much pain that they had to give her an additional dose of morphine that had not already been scheduled and she went to sleep two hours later she woke up and there was a TV in her room and the TV was on when she fell asleep. When she woke back up, the TV was still on, and there was a television preacher, of all people, on TV. And at the moment she woke up, the television preacher looked into the camera, and he said, somewhere right now there is a person who, is, who has been terminally diagnosed with leukemia, and the Lord is going to heal you right now now I don't know about you I don't have a whole lot of confidence in television faith healers and Mr. Carl didn't either but that is the message that his sister woke up to she heard it and she reached for her back because that is where the main focus of her worst pain was she reached back and she didn't feel anything now granted she had only taken a shot extra shot of morphine two hours earlier and she went back to sleep she slept through her scheduled four o'clock morphine shot and then she slept through her scheduled eight o'clock morphine shot and when she woke up, she never had another pain. And the doctors couldn't find the leukemia. And this woman lived another 10 years. And when she did die, she did not die of leukemia. 
That's a true story. You see, sometimes God does the impossible. And let's just be honest. In the Bible, it seems like God always comes through and does the impossible. It just seems sometimes that when we read the Bible, we're reading a, a story of people in crisis who at the very end is going to say, and they lived happily ever after, and God healed everybody, saved everybody, raised all the dead, and all this kind of stuff. It just feels that way I mean the lame walk the blind see the deaf hear the sick recover the dead are raised it seems like all the time in the Bible everybody finds God coming through but you know what it really isn't the case when you scrutinize the Bible closer the prophet Jeremiah preached for 50 years and nobody ever came forward and was saved nobody he ended up dying in Egypt alone. John the baptizer got so depressed in prison right before King Herod cut off his head that he sent messengers to Jesus to ask him, "If are you really who we thought you were going to be? He began to question whether Jesus was all he was cracked up to be. The apostle Paul, it is believed, was beheaded at the hands of the Roman Emperor Nero in AD 64 thereabout without any divine intervention as far as keeping himself alive in Hebrews chapter 11 the last verses tell us this that some Christians were jeered at their backs were cut open with whips Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some were homeless, going about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, and mistreated. Writer goes on to say, They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. But he says, Yet none of them received all that God had promised. The Bible, in truth, actually speaks of people who never recovered, paralyzed folks who never did walk again, blind folks who were not able to see, deaf people who were not able to hear. And let's face it, the vast majority of folks in cemeteries are still there. Sometimes, God does the possible. But then there's also the probable. There are times when you know what God possibly can do, and yet God allows the probable anyway, and you and I are left to question why. This week we learned that Bruce Willis, the actor, the diehard actor, Diagnosed with something called frontotemporal dementia. I had never heard that term until last year. I was sent to visit with a lady. She was 61 years old, which at that time was the same age I am. And she had been diagnosed seven years ago with frontotemporal dementia. It is the most common form of dementia diagnosed for people under 60 years of age, just 
and I went to see her. Her name was Amy. She never married, although she was an attractive girl, especially early on. She was a marathon runner. Marathon runner. Do you know what marathon means? It's really a, an ungodly, sinful term as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> she was a marathon runner, meaning she ran uh, courses and races that were 26 miles long. She trained people and mentored first-time runners to the Peachtree Road Race every single year. This girl was in shape. Not only that, she was a devoted Christian. She was a member of an Episcopal church. She was there every Sunday, every weekday service. She joined in there. They had a food pantry. They had a ministry to the homeless. She, she was in all of that. And then seven years ago, she was diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia. And when I met her last year, late last year, she didn't know she was in the world. And she walked up and down the hall of the memory care all the time, fidgeting. She couldn't speak. She would make eye contact briefly, but I couldn't guarantee you that she saw anything. And because she was in such great physical shape, there's no telling how long she might live in a condition where she knows nothing. She has no children. Her only relative is her brother, and her brother prays that she will get over this. And guess what? She's not. He prays for the possible as he prepares every day for the probable. I met another lady a couple of months ago. She had experienced, uh, had suffered a stroke, a major stroke five years ago. She was a picture of health until then, suffered a stroke, and it left her paralyzed on her left side. And I visited her, and she was in a hospital bed. Her mind is great. She has a dry sense of humor. I mean, I walked in there one day, and there was some food there, and I said, if you don't eat that food, I'm going to get it. And she says, if you do, I'm going to kill you. She meant it, I think. And every time I see her, I ask her the same question before I leave. I said, can I pray for you? She says, of course you can. I said, what can I pray for you? And the answer always, every time I've been to see her is, pray that I walk again. And I pray that she walks again. She wants me to pray that God will make her walk again. She knows because she believes in God, she knows that walking again is possible. But quite frankly, she, she faces the probable. She hasn't walked in five years. All things are possible with God, but sometimes the probable occurs anyway. I mentioned Austin. Did I mention Austin to you? Hello? Hello? For several years, twice a year, he went to the doctors and they would scan him, no cancer. In the fall of 2007, the doctors called Bonnie into their office 
and they gave her some most unwelcome news. Austin's cancer has returned, and it has returned with a vengeance. And so once again, Austin underwent radiation, and once again, he went through torturous chemotherapy, and once again, his mama Bonnie got fat on her face, begging God with every desperate word that a mom could throw up to God. She got her church to pray, and she got everybody praying again. Everybody's people around the world were praying for two years. They fasted and prayed. Not many people fast today. Do you know that? Not, not for spiritual reasons. They were fasting and praying. But this time, what was possible gave in to what was probable. And on Wednesday, May the 20th, 2009, Austin died. And as you can imagine, Bonnie was inconsolable. At Austin's grave in Fairburn, Georgia, there is a bronze bronze plaque and it reads James quote Austin unquote Massey my son my hero my friend sometimes God does the possible or what we would deem to be impossible. But sometimes he either does or allows the probable. Sometimes he doesn't seem to come through. I mentioned Carl, my missionary buddy, about his sister. Well, Carl has Parkinson's disease. If you know anything about Parkinson's, sometimes you will, a person with Parkinson's will, will have tremors like this. Uh, but other than that, Parkinson's slows down your processes to a crawl. And so you don't motivate well, but you also don't think as quickly. And Carl is intellectually as sharp as he's ever been, but if you ask him something, he's going to pause. And you have to wait and give him time to think about it and to answer. And the thought and the answer will come slowly, so you have to be patient with him. And so I told him I was going to be here today and what I was going to preach on and so I asked him what he would say to a person stuck between what is possible and what is probable. And he paused for an eternity. And then he said, I would say to that person to try to be thankful for the blessings of the possible and the blessings of the probable. I said, what do you mean, Carl? He said, well... If God does what we would deem impossible, you win. And he said, but if God allows the probable and you go on to be with him, you win too. <laughs> Which brings me to sum up this whole thing by saying this. Sometimes the possible happens. Sometimes God comes through. Sometimes the probable will happen, and it seems like God doesn't come through. But according to the Bible, there are some other things that will positively happen. And here's what, posit what God positively 
will do. First of all, God positively will be with us even when we don't see him, even when we're not aware of his presence. And I want to say something right here to, to all of us. When he is with you, and he will always be with you, you need, you need to hear this. He doesn't mind your doubts. He's okay with your questions. And he's big enough for our anger. Now, if you've been raised to believe that it's a sin to be angry with God, question God, or doubt God, let me just say to you right now, none, none of that is true. You have God gives us the permission to doubt, to question, and to be angry. He's a big God, and he can handle all of those things, and he's okay with it. God positively will be with us when we're not aware of his presence. Second, God positively will give us the strength we need to face whatever happens. Third, God positively will place people in our lives to help us during that, tra that tragedy. And fourth, God has positively prepared a place for us where we will never have to worry about the possible versus the probable ever again. But if you are one of those folks who right now is in that crucible between the possible and the probable, you're probably, you're probably thinking all those things I just said are fluff because that's the way it feels. Let's pray. Our Lord, remind us that you care when we think you don't. Oh, Lord, remind us that you are present when we think you aren't. Oh, God, hold us together when it feels like you're allowing everything in us to fall apart. And God, help us to see the blessings of both the possible and the probable. when we absolutely can't see them ourselves. 